Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Kara. Marler, I'm going to make a prediction. I think your I, I think there's no way that your weekend was a as good as South Carolina's. <laughs> Great day to be a Gamecock, as Will Muschamp told us. And B, at the same time, I don't think it could have been as bad as Georgia's weekend. Somewhere in the middle, right? <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's, that's a way to put it. That's a way to put it. All right. All right. <laughs> I had a great weekend. Well, that's good. That's good. We are, of course, going to talk about South Carolina stunning Georgia, the upset of the year so far in college football. Go figure that. We're going to actually talk about that before we talk about Florida LSU, what yeah. we saw in Baton Rouge on Saturday night. We are going to talk about what Bama did at AM. We're going to hit on every single SEC game that we saw, including even Vandy looking like a complete oh, and utter disaster. God. We're going to talk about the top six, what we think that should look like. I've even got, yes, a little rant about Joe Moorhead. And don't worry, Mississippi State fans. You're going to, you're going to appreciate this because your boy is, is turning a new leaf. I'm, I'm just saying. Just, just be ready for it. So we're we're also we we're also gonna get some some week eight lines. We've got a lot a lot a lot of stuff to get to a ton to dissect from week seven. But I had this this realization yesterday, and I'm sure that you deal with this a lot more than I do because you actually have money on the line. I I we make picks and stuff, and I I love talking about spreads, but I don't I don't actually gamble. I don't sit here yeah. and I don't actually have money at stake, so it's a different ball game. But yeah, after the noon slate of games wrapped up yesterday. And I also don't have a team, obviously. I, I had this realization, though. I looked I looked to my wife, Lauren, and I said, you know, this has been an awful start for my takes today. Basically the worst start possible. <laughs> I told her, the best. I said, okay, the team that I predicted to win the national championship, Georgia, just lost to an unranked team. The team that I had representing the group of five in a New Year's Six Bowl, Memphis, just lost. And, oh, by the way, my ride or die, Joe Moorhead, just lost to Tennessee as a touchdown favorite. And I said, I'm, I'm going to have to eat some crow on the podcast tomorrow. I, I just know it. And she's like, well, just douse it in Texas Pete. <laughs> that was the best. Lauren is the MVP oh, for that, man. Lauren just a is good response. Uh, Lauren is the MVP. I high-fived her right after that. I had a smile on my face the rest of the day. I was good. Yeah, Marler, consider that my beautiful transition into all things Texas Pete. Man, I had a day yesterday. So, um... God, Lauren, Lauren, she honestly was MVP of yesterday. That was that that whole quote. I was like, I was like, I was. I think I read it when Bama was down to A and M, and it's like it kind of that and about two Bud Lights got me through that whole transition. Because I know you know that's the moment, right there. I was just like, I was like, okay, here we go. Let's just, you know what? Let's just find some laughter and and find some Texas Pete. So, um, no, the SCS podcast, as all of you know, is brought to you by Texas Pete. we we both love it. Apparently, you know, your wife, my fiance, she loves it as well. We just had eggs. We just had eggs. And, nice. and Allie came over in a very suspicious manner. And she said, why are they red? And I was like, what do you mean? Why? They're not red. And she was like, why are the eggs red? And I said, they're crimson. And it's because I threw in some Texas Pete. And they were fantastic. So you can put Texas Pete on everything. We had, we had um, I mean, yesterday was the best day of college football for the year. So we splurged. We had a, we had a day. We got ribs. Uh, we got chicken. We had um, potato salad. We we had everything. We had everything, and that was just lunch. And then we did it all over again for dinner. Nice. And Texas Pete was accompanied at both. I'm not sure if that's how you say that word, but anyway. So Texas Pete, um, make sure you guys go out and get a bottle. They have several different things. They have not just the hot sauce. We have the wing sauce as well, which is what we had yesterday on the ribs. Just like like added in on top of the barbecue sauce. Ooh. It was fantastic. Um, they also have Texas Pete dust. Texas Pete dust. 
and they have several other items. Make sure you go to TexasPeed.com, check out their tailgating recipes, some cool videos from your boy, Chris Marler, on our SCS social media as well. But more than, more than anything, make sure you are sending us pictures of your own tailgate and own recipes on Saturdays with the hashtag sauce like you mean it. So speaking, there you go. Speaking of Texas Pete, two, two things real quick. One, check out Marler's commercial, his Texas Pete commercial. I tweeted it from the SDS pod account. It's great. It's fantastic. I watched yeah. it within minutes of that going up on YouTube. If you have not seen it, you should be following the Saturday Down South yeah. YouTube channel. Definitely make sure that you do that. Also, I, I just got a DM from our favorite Australian, Tommy O'Rourke. Yeah! He's coming to the States next year. He's making the trip to the States for Bama USC. That game in Dallas. He's going to be there. He's going to be We're there. playing That's USC next year. next year? Yeah, it's next year. You don't look at the future schedule and have it memorized? I live in the moment. Anyways. I don't look ahead on my schedule like the next team we're going to talk about. <laughs> wow. Georgia. Holy cow. What what an afternoon it was in Athens. South Carolina pulls off the upset of the year in college football so far. Will Muschamp's defense was unbelievable. He had lost 10 straight games to, to top 25 opponents. And Georgia, of course, had not lost an SEC East game since the start of the 2017 season. Unbelievable. They've won every, as I always say on this podcast, Georgia's a lock. They beat every divisional team by at least 14 points. Money in the bank. I had them winning this game by 31 points. They were 21 <laughs> and a half point favorites. I came on here and I told, listen, you're you're not wrong. You said 21 and a half? I, I saw 21 and a half. That was the number it, that I used. So the the, like, that should have told you something, and not you personally, just in general, because that line shifted three points overnight. It was 24 and a half. I talked about I was like, man, 24 and a half seems like a lot. But, you know, you look at the numbers. They've beaten six of the last nine. Nice. SEC East teams by 24 or more points. They've only beaten South Carolina, for whatever reason, by 25 or more one time in 40 years. And I, I want you to keep going because I, I, I have so much to say, and I'm trying to figure out the best way to say it. There are two sides to this, and I promise we're going to get to both. There are, right I know that and there, wrong. <laughs> there are people who want us to – Wants to talk about the big the big picture uh, ramifications for Georgia, what we learned in a game like this. Let's first talk about South Carolina, though, because we would be remiss if we did not highlight the performance of that South Carolina team who has looked just absolutely lost at times. They lose Ryan Halinski in this game, and that defense played like South Carolina fans have been hoping it would since Will Muschamp was hired. And that was the signature win so far of the Will Muschamp era at South Carolina to be able to do what that group did where it looks like everything that they had planned, they, they, they were one step ahead of Georgia. Georgia was running into a brick wall. It seemed like every time they would try and run inside run with DeAndre Swift, their, their cornerbacks were lights out. They were lights man out. coverage. And they Georgia receivers got zero separation whatsoever. Uh, Israel, I'm going to butcher his last name mukuama blankenship Mu- damn it okay is israel m three interceptions of jake Fromm. jake Fromm didn't have a pick all year and the first one was totally on jake Fromm. very uncharacteristic throw where he threw off his back foot turned into a pick six huge play at the end of the first half the two others i would say more on the receivers receiver not coming back to the ball on that one and then the the, the one in overtime where it's just a blatant drop uh, tyler simmons you can't have that play in that no. moment. That's just awful. Georgia's inexperience at receiver showed in that game, but South Carolina did everything in its power, despite the fact that it didn't have Ryan Helinski. 
to win this game. And it wasn't even like, you know, Takarian Joyner's going to be kind of the lost guy, even though he's a third-string quarterback. And, yes, we can make the joke about, oh, Georgia can't beat a can't beat a backup quarterback. That's all you got to do to beat him. It's not a joke. It's not a joke. All right, I'm tag me in. Here we go. All right, tag. All right, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I'm so pissed that I walked back all my criticisms of Georgia last week. I was like, you know yep. what? I was waited. wrong. I was wrong. That's healthy to do in relationships, guys, sometimes. This was not that time. I was not wrong. Okay? What I, what my eyes have seen from Georgia has been right. And and here's the problem. I, I don't want to, like, I, first off, I want to credit Georgia fans after this because every single one of, every single Georgia fan that I saw, like in, a, in the SES Pod Facebook group, if it was on social media, maybe that's because I surround myself with, with decent people. But... I, I guess, but but like every single response I saw, people like Justin uh, Lonazak and and um, Jenny Bolton and just several people that like are, are reasonable people that I, I really enjoy following on social media. They were like, you know what, we got beat. Willie Gray, Baron Square, my boy, Willie Gray. He, he was like, he's like, we got beat. You, they something like I made the joke early on. I was like, am I gonna have to yell on the podcast again? My boy Drew Hutchins. He's like, somebody's gonna have to. Yep. I mean, it's it's, and I'm I'm truly sorry that you guys had to like. Witness that because it's it's you keep wanting to turn this corner and you get you get to a point where you're like this is it we are here we are here sure we haven't looked great in some spots but we are dominant on defense we beat Notre Dame at home we have all these things and you're not wrong to be excited about those things but when you look at the facts of what happened here's what happened yesterday your your head coach got you beat yep. you weren't prepared you got your ass kicked by South Carolina and I know that sounds harsh but you did that's you got physically manhandled on the offensive line. Like their offensive, like their defensive line versus your yep. offensive line, South which can't happen. Battle. You you lost at home, and I don't care if it's a twelve o'clock start. I made the joke of being hungover, yep. and it doesn't matter. You had every chance. To win this like the comment about Jake Fromm throwing thirty times and, and the record when they, usually they're they're way behind when that happens. So that that stat can be skewed. You were down seven points to an unranked team at home, and even then you needed a bailout call from the ref on a BS pass interference call that was nine feet over the, the tight end's head, and you had to score with less than two minutes to go. You compare yourselves to Alabama constantly, and, and you are getting there as a program, but I want to just share facts with you, okay? From now on, until you get, until you, until you get over that hump, all Georgia fans should should be quiet. You should sit down. You should be quiet. Be humble until you get to that point because everyone else is tired of hearing about it. Alabama hasn't lost to an unranked team in 85-plus games. 2010, the Stephen Garcia game. Was and y'all lost, lost to, to South Carolina team. at yeah. home. When And 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 this is not me poking, poking fun, but it is a cherry on top to laugh about. You lost to a backup quarterback, and it wasn't even the backup quarterback. You lost to his backup quarterback. quarterback, the third-string quarterback. It's inexcusable. The one thing Done. I'll say, I, I actually thought the Georgia defense played pretty well. Keep in mind, you know, they had the pick six in that game. So I, I thought the Georgia defense did enough to, to to probably win that game. They obviously are, are part of the blame. There's blame to go around everywhere. Hot Rod, I jinxed his Heisman campaign, the Hot Rod for Heisman thing. That's over. That's done with. Kirby should have given, in my opinion, Kirby yeah. should have given him a chance to kick the 60-yard field goal. Obviously, there are some thoughts about the kick six and not wanting to relive that no. in that moment. Oh, BS. That's, I, that's, no, that's what that's what people, that's what people this, the people who are saying, oh, he made the right decision. No, I know. Not it's not, to kick the 60 yard who field goal. said that? Who there were people on have Twitter. A take? Will Muschamp, meanwhile, tried a 57-yard field goal, and it looked, I, I thought in, in, that, in that moment, because they had just said, they had just said on the broadcast that he was the, the the distance that he was comfortable with for his kicker was 52 yards that was the max 
And yeah. so kicking a 57-yarder in that moment, I, I didn't like that just because it did set up this, the potential situation for Hot Rod to be able to come in and play the hero with good field position. So I, I wasn't crazy about that. But that's not the point in this game. The point in this game is that Georgia, for the last three, the last at least the last three times it has taken the field, has shown up like it was just going to waltz in and just dominate against Notre Dame, against Tennessee, against South Carolina. It showed up with its its chest puffed out, thinking yep. we're better than you, and we're UGA not. UGA Twitter showed up in pads and a helmet. We're not going to be able to. We don't need to be creative. We're just going to impose our will at the line of scrimmage. We don't need to be able to make adjustments and try and be creative at all. We're just going to be able to show up and beat you. And you know what? You finally ran into a team that was more that was more ready than you and was 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 capable of playing sixty minutes. Georgia did not plan on playing sixty minutes in that nope. game, and it showed. And that that to me is the most frustrating part for this fan base that kept waiting for that moment. They got that moment against Tennessee when it was like, all right, Georgia's good. They're going to run away with this. No problems asked. They did not have that moment in this game, and I give South Carolina so much credit yes. and that coaching staff for being ready to go and for not being scared of that atmosphere, all the numbers that we pointed to saying that this is a reason that South Carolina should get killed in this game. South Carolina's lost to UNC. They just they got smoked against Mizzou. Yeah. They didn't care about any of that, and they came in ready to go and pulled off the upset of the year. I tip my cap to Will Muschamp. That was a game I never yes. thought he'd win. I, I I completely agree, and and I I hate I have a buddy Nick Vi who who gets upset with me every week because he says that I, I I discount South Carolina, and I was like, well, you know, to be fair on this one, they were twenty four point underdog at the start of the week. Seriously, but, I mean, yeah, like a lot of this credit needs to go to Will Muschamp and South Carolina, and you you know what you know what was refreshing to see because everything you said about Georgia was right, and I don't want to pile on Georgia because I've already been critical enough of them. And but, fans like, know. They, they know. It's, well, yeah, but like, but you know what? It's it's reflective of the attitude that that, that fans have. That's exactly what, like, the, the dismissive attitude of we're, we're going to win this, and you know what, like, look how much better we are than Florida, and like, Bama fans, we're living rent-free in your head, which is still the dumbest thing anybody could say. You show up on Saturday, and you have a guy like Will Muschamp who actually cares and is fighting for his job, and, and he was like, you know what, we had a week off, we're going to game plan. We're going to actually like game it. plan, and yep. we're going to execute that game plan. Like, Javon Kinlaw, and like, they all, that defensive line... They beat them up and down the yep. field all day. The running backs, like they were running with just like with so much aggression. It was it was great to see. And and you know what? Everything we talk about, like, the, how flat Georgia looked. It was the opposite of like how many times did they pan that camera to Ryan Holinsky? Oh gosh, yeah, rah rah, and, and, and every, trainer and yes, his and one like, arm, yeah. yeah. And you saw it like with his parents, with him, with the, with Brian Edwards. That team cared about each other. And you know what? That team cared about more than anything was going out there and winning on Saturday. So. And and I think not having Brian Harrion for this healthy in this game actually made a difference. <laughs> I, I realize that's not an excuse that's for Georgia. So that's not an excuse. That's such a minor yeah, third street quarterback in. I know. Brian Harrion though, kind of this this game confirmed a little bit. If there's one teeny teeny tiny takeaway yeah. for this game, Brian Harrion pretty underrated needs to be in that game plan. Obviously, him being hurt didn't help. So I realized we just blasted Georgia and we just launched at, at this team that has not looked like what we thought it was going to. I've already right. said I had them winning the national championship this year. What do we now make of this team? Because I think there were some people, and I know our boy Stephen Garcia tweeted that Georgia's done. Georgia's not done in terms of a playoff perspective because if you win the SEC and if yeah, you win out, obviously we've seen we've seen in the past, you know, 2014 Oregon, 2016, uh, 2016 Clemson, and then 2017 Oklahoma. All of those teams lost home games to unranked teams and still went on to make the playoff. So obviously yeah. that path is still there. The SEC champion has made it to the playoff every single year. Here's what did happen, though. And it's it, obviously like 
you know, Georgia's got other things to worry about besides that right now. Yeah. This can, if this is going to be a turning point, if this is going to be much like the promise game was for Florida back in 2008 where they just lost that game against Ole Miss at home and everybody was wondering what the heck's going on, then that's a different discussion. Georgia can go one of two ways with this. But I think, we, so we don't have an answer to that. The SEC's odds for a two-team playoff bid definitely took a hit today. There's or uh, Saturday. There's no doubt in my yeah. mind that it took a hit watching Georgia have that type of performance where all of a sudden the possibility of Georgia going into the SEC championship being 12-0 and and losing that game and still making the field, that's gone. Georgia yeah. needs to win out. It's, it's as simple as that. So it's going to be fascinating to see what direction this team takes. Is this just a sign of things to come and they're going to have more games like this? Are they vulnerable to lose a, a game against Florida or even Mizzou? I mean, I don't know. We're going to see, though, they were vulnerable in the next couple that. weeks. They, yeah, were, they, were. they were vulnerable before that game, but it's like, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just frustrating. you got to be frustrated if you're a Georgia fan watching this because it is, it's like, I, people make the joke all the time about 1980, and, and I, I can just tell you from what I've seen my entire life in living in the state of Georgia and hearing Georgia fans at you know, the start of the year, and this is, again, I'm not saying this to be critical of fans because these fans have been absolutely outstanding. There's a couple of those guys that, like, I mentioned by name, and I hope you guys hear this more than anything, is that, like, I hate it for you. I really hate it for you because like this this sucks. Like this absolutely sucks. The good news is you have everything still in front of you and you can you can still get to the SC championship game, you can still win that and get in the playoff, but you know, you gotta stop talking about it. At some yep. point you gotta stop talking about it and you gotta show up on the field every Saturday and have that run and, and get to the national championship. It was so fascinating watching Georgia's offense and Georgia fans realize this too. Watching Georgia's offense compared to LSU's offense. <laughs> how night and day schematically they were from a strategy standpoint and everything. Remember El- how much better they were with Jim Chaney? <sighs> Man. What, what, a, what a wild afternoon it was to watch that develop. And for everybody who was skeptical, and this is what I wrote, shameless plug, I wrote an SDS, if you were still skeptical about the LSU offense, and I, and I cited before, I said the stats coming in, the LSU passing defenses that they faced not very good, yeah. and I said that 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 for moving forward, that's that's a potential area of concern. I still was sold on the LSU offense. Obviously, LSU puts a hurt on that Florida defense, which yes, lost John Grenard, had Jabari Zuniga yeah. banged up in this game. I wish those guys could have played. I really yeah. do because it would have been so fun to watch that chess game. But the LSU offense, even Florida fans were saying after that, my guy Cameron Scooter Magruder, even he was saying, all right. LSU's for real. Yeah. I don't know how you could have doubted that necessarily beforehand. And it, it's like, I think sometimes there's stuff that fans want to tell themselves, and, and you know, and, and analysts too, or, and, and guys in the media, because you're trying to make a point. And you want, like, you want to believe the things that are coming out of your mouth. And, you know, I, I, I went on radio and, and all sorts of places, like the Facebook Live, and, and said, I spouted off the same stats that you threw in there about the, the passing defense. And my boy, Cav Harris, he, he had a couple of, like, really nice stats that I, I definitely, you know, use as well in reference, because it's like, you you those are real stats right like you, yeah, you, you yeah there's 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 doubt there's you can there's there's still a doubt in your mind maybe that you know lsu maybe they aren't as real as we thought they were because you know what we saw with oklahoma at noon that texas defense is full of blank like they, they are awful Poop. that is a garbage yeah they're that, they are a garbage defense but you know could they come out of here and do this against this florida defense and it yeah it does suck that florida was banged up but for the fact that they were able to be balanced and be able to run and pass. They ran for 9.1 yards per carry. We, we kept saying, like, they're not going to run on Florida. They had over 10 yards per play. 
over ridiculous. 10 yards per play. They had one scoring drive that was longer than two minutes and nine seconds. And that one scoring drive where they finally, it was like a four minute scoring drive that they had in the third quarter. It almost felt like early on watching that game, LSU's quick scorers were hurting the defense, and the defense mm-hmm. was just gassed. They, they, they would have three and four play scoring drives, and the LSU defense has to go back out on the field. And that's not necessarily making excuses. Florida made some big time plays. I thought Dan Mullen's game plan was really good for for most of that game, yeah. but they finally get a little bit of a longer drive, and then from that moment on, LSU goes on that 21-0 run to end the game. And I thought that what we saw from this LSU offense was a reminder that. All the offseason storylines that we've heard about this team and just how they really truly felt like they had turned the corner and that this was such a different group than we're used to seeing at LSU. We saw that. The spacing yeah. was there. Joe Burrow is just, he's on a different level right now. Herb Street made the comment. He and Tua are playing the position at a different level than anybody in the country right now. Yeah. And, it, and it, it's harder. And that's even including Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields. I think what they are doing from a precision standpoint as passers, it's unbelievable to watch it, it truly truly is because let's keep in mind that yes while florida was playing without grenard they're playing without zuniga still throwing at cj henderson you're still throwing at marco wilson you're still throwing at these guys who have been so so good for that defense cj wilson balled out man and they or made henderson, it i mean they made it yeah cj henderson made some incredible plays in that game one of the pass breakups that he had in the end zone early on i that that'll be on his draft film without a doubt yeah. but this this lsu offense it's a revelation, and it is so so fun to watch. And I don't know who can sh- who can shut it down. I really don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's like what's scary. The biggest the biggest thing that's scary from this offense is the the run game got going. And I know they broke off a lot of long runs that might have helped. You know, averaging one yards per carry. Oof. But I didn't realize he was that fast. He can jet. He can jet. Yeah. I, I wrote about him right after the Texas game, and I said this this dude is is his role in this offense is underrated and all the different things that he can do because he can pass block too. Yeah. And he he played this he he played in this exact same system in high school, and we we saw him hit him be able to flash that speed too. And he was running through some big holes. Credit the LSU. Oh my gosh. Offensive line. The yeah. LSU offensive line just got ripped in this game against Florida last year and was terrible. And the LSU offensive line I thought played fantastic last night yeah. against Todd Grantham's pressure. Joe Burrow had a lot of time to throw. I think he was only pressured on three or four of his dropbacks, something like that, or of his pass attempts, and he was still really, really good in that. Just what a game from the LSU offense. If you had any questions about this group going in, they should have been answered. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. It was It was just – it was really fun to watch, um, you know, from like – like the offensive thing, it's, it's – I think it does solidify what's going on with LSU. There's still, there's still different things that they're going to have to – there's other tests they have coming down the road. I'm not trying to dismiss this victory. For sure. It's not next week when they play Middle, uh, Mississippi State. But Auburn will be a little bit tough um, just because the, with the kind of threat the defensive line poses, you know, like they, they're going to get after the quarterback. But, yeah, man, it's, it's just – it was cool to see that, that this LSU team is – it's for real because of something we haven't seen before. Yeah, we haven't exactly. seen a passing attack like this, and you know, I think they mentioned last night they've only had one Heisman finalist in, finalist in the past forty years, and it was, it was <laughs> and Tyron Matthew. It was, yeah, it was Honey Badger. I mean, that's crazy to think about, but it, it is it is cool to see. And and, and you you know the the point that you brought up that I think is best, it like sums this up best, the spacing. Joe Brady it's and what so he's been able to do in that passing game coordinator. Because when they first hired him, it was like, wait, they have a passing game coordinator and they have an offensive they have an offensive coordinator. It's like a when Joe came into uh, the office, she's like, "We got two managers. We gonna have to fix that. That don't make no sense." <laughs> um, so yeah, it was just like I was I was really impressed with with them. And you know what though? I, and I gotta say this: I was wrong about Florida. And I said this on Twitter yesterday. I was wrong about Florida. No matter if they won or lost, I was wrong about Dan Mullen. 
the criticism I gave him in the offseason and and this team, they they've still done nothing but prove me wrong. Great it, it game was, plan. It was, it, yeah, and and Kyle Trask, that that game, I hated to see that game end the way it did for him because he played a hell of a game. He did, and, and getting the, the sack at the very end where uh, and Caleb on Chasen, wow, what what a, it was like a jump tackle. It was so weird watching that yeah. that play on the, <laughs> on the on the option there, but. I thought there were there were a lot of things I really liked from Dan Mullen's game plan. Yeah. I, I thought I thought early on I, that group was clicking. The, the spacing we talk about that so much. That's been such a popular topic of conversation with these transformed offenses in the SEC. The spacing looked really really good. And Florida, the offense and the way that it was driving down the field was so drastically different than LSU. Yeah. And finally, Florida's offensive line I thought actually played pretty well in this game. Yeah. Michael P. Ryan, Lamical, finally had some holes yeah, he open up. He he was he was humming too, making some plays in the passing game too. He's such a great pass catcher, and, and I thought Florida did some great things. I came away even more impressed with Florida actually after yeah. this game, despite the fact I know they didn't cover, they lost by 14 points. Right. I get that, but I came away even more impressed with Florida and thinking LSU is kind of kind of who we thought they were. But yeah. um, I, I thought that this game for for LSU one one quick thing I want to hit on real quick. LSU now has nine straight games of 40 plus points. And they've then they've won three straight, scoring forty plus against top ten teams. That's pretty good. It, yeah, I know people are gonna say, "Let's wait and see what they do against Bama. Let's wait and see what they do." No, no, it, come on. What if if we're still waiting to see if that's oh, gonna that, be our yeah. litmus test? That's crap. That uh, is just, total crap. When did when did we become such bad fans? It's like, when do we mean, like That's it. it's it's so annoying. Like like we talked about this off air, and we'll talk more about it later. But like Lynn Bowden, I, I I you know I love Lynn Bowden. I made the comment. I was like, man, he's just special. We'll talk about him later. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like guys, just just enjoy. Like you know what? I'm I'm gonna just be I'm gonna preach for a second, and you guys need to listen the blank up. It's Sunday. Go ahead. It is Sunday. It is. Listen, there are seven weeks in the college football season. Okay, you know I'm as cynical as they come. I'm a little bit of an a hole all the time. And I'm sarcastic, all those things. <laughs> but you know what? This college football season, I don't care how this sounds, it's precious, guys. We only get 14 weeks in, in before postseason. 14 weeks of this, okay? We're already halfway through it. If you can't enjoy what you get to see, like, we talk about all these games that we saw growing up and how, like, like I remember, like, you know, all the stuff we had on the VHS. And there's games, that South Carolina game, there are fans that are little and, 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 and fans that are grown. They're going to remember that game for the rest of their life. When that undefeated South Carolina team went to Athens, beat Georgia. Just enjoy it. Stop making excuses. Yep. Just enjoy it. Like, you know what? It, it Like, just take it for what it is and stop saying, like, well, that, that team was a fraud unless it's Notre Dame. That team was a fraud <laughs> until they go play somebody. Like, just enjoy it. Yeah, LSU fans were definitely God. enjoying themselves after that game. And good to see, too, for the LSU defense, which has had its struggles, put the clamps on really, I yeah, thought, kind of midpoint of that third quarter <laughs> and played really well. Grant Elfitt played like an All-American. That hit that he had on the pass breakup in the end zone where he just, I think it was Kyle Pitts, where he just put his head on him basically and yeah. popped the ball loose. Incredible play. As I already mentioned, Caleb on Chasen played so well. And how about I can't Stingley? be the reasonable one, guys. How about, how about Derek Stingley in this one? Because he had his freshman moment. He was getting yeah. picked on. I, I mean, we saw Van Jefferson take him to school. School, and, man. And, and, uh, there was that drive where you, you had that moment of realization where you're like, oh, yeah, this, okay, this will take a little bit of time. He's not yeah. going to look like this All-American all the time. And then he makes that interception in the end zone. And you're reminded, oh, yeah, this kid is already super, super right. special. Three straight games with an interception. 
he, he is an all. As I, I feel like we say this every week. He is an all SEC cornerback. He is certainly playing yeah. like my that. favorite. My favorite comment was somebody on Twitter responded to. Uh, I was like Derek Singley, best DB, best freshman since dot dot dot. Like interested to see what the responses would be. And of course, since fans are the worst sometimes, this guy was like, uh, since a lot of people, man. He's been mediocre, and I was like, I didn't mean this, this game. Okay. I said, I said, I didn't mean this guy's verified. He had a blue check mark, and he was like, I was like, I didn't mean just this game, but the whole season. But thanks for your input, Chris. And he was like, Yeah, I know what you meant. Yeah. I was like, Did you though? Because obviously he did it. I don't I know how that you take, but he's it, he looked great. He looked great. I'll, I'll tell you what, Florida fans. I came away from this weekend more and more on board with the idea that Florida can beat Georgia and Jacksonville. And I was—I have been very hesitant to say that. I'm and, not going to sit here and definitively say that I think Florida is going to win that game. But I am way more on board with that belief, especially, obviously, what we saw from Georgia Saturday. That's a bad time to say this. But Florida week in, week out, they just continue to, to get more yeah. and more believers, in my opinion. I, if, if you're saying after this game... Florida's a fraud. You shouldn't believe in Florida. Get out of here. Get out of here. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't know anybody who would say that. Cause that that is ridiculous. But I, what I would say is, it, what it proves to me is that when Dan Mullen finally, like, once he starts getting like more and more recruits, because I said it all offseason, I was like, I mean, I thought Tennessee was catching up to Florida, and I could not have been more wrong. <sighs> I could not have been more wrong about about that Tennessee and one, but like about this Florida team and about Dan Mullen and. And, you know, a lot of made about he's never been a great recruiter and blah, blah, Florida, Florida itself is going to get some recruits just by just by being the best team in Florida and, and having all that talent in the state of Florida. Dan Mullen, he coached a hell of a game in this game. And yeah. I, I honestly, like, you know, maybe maybe the gap that I thought was being closed from Florida to Tennessee, maybe that gap is being closed from Florida to Georgia. Yep. If there is I'm a gap right now. Yeah, I agree. There is a big gap between Bama and AM. Let's talk about it there, Connor. As we saw on Saturday in College Station, a game that we had circled on our calendars in the preseason, and then as the season started, we realized AM is super one-dimensional on offense, and this is probably going to be a rough afternoon for the Aggies. It wasn't as bad as it could have been, but at the same time, Bama looked strong in this game, looked like the offense that we've expected to see all year, and hey, Najee Harris, he got 20 carries. Nick Saban he did. Listening. He's listening to us. He's listening. Um, what were your takeaways from watching Bama look like Bama, especially on offense? So uh, th- none, none of the stuff on offense. What I was most impressed by with this is because I had a couple guys text me and they're like, "Dude, like this defense is gonna be a problem." And I was like, "I I'm not seeing that. I'm not seeing that at all today." And and maybe it's because I'm I was watching the game with crimson glasses. I don't know, but I like take away the yardage because I know they got Texas and put up some yards. They put up you know they had like 24 first downs, all that kind of stuff. The way that that defensive line played yesterday in the front seven, and it, they made some mistakes early in the in like the first half, especially. But the way they were able to like kind of crack down and put the clamps on that that offense um, in the front four, especially, that's what I've been waiting on. Like yeah. for that for that defensive line, Terrell Lewis played a hell of a game. That kid was all over the field, man. He's healthy. He's healthy. He's, He's yes, good. agreed. It was awesome to watch. But like, you know, it was the secondary looked. I thought as advertised. This is a, this is a, a team that has like. You know they've struggled offensively, but those receivers are legit for A and I, I was what I wanted to see out of Bama more than anything is is I wanted to see the front four finally like kind of bow their necks and stop the run a little bit, like with with some consistency. Want to see them get after the quarterback, which they did all day with it, which is like just such high energy. It was awesome, and for the first time in his entire career at Alabama, 
I saw like a competitive fire come out of Tua that I had never seen before. Ooh. He yelled at Judy. Yeah, I saw that. With yeah, his pick. Ah, let's go, man. That's what? that's what I want. That's what like that's what I want out of my quarterback is for him to be like. You're in control of this offense. I like. I don't want your dad calling Bo Nix and on Sunday and, and yeah, telling everything's saying. gonna be all right. Like that ain't for me. Do you? I guess, but that ain't for me. Like what that part of the game, that kind of killer instinct, and and that that was what I was really most excited to see. For A and M, I thought that this this sort of this confirmed a lot of what I thought about this offense going in. Is that yeah. they their receivers are so so good, and Kellen can make these plays with his legs. I, as I said, that was going to be their only way to move the ball on the ground was going to be him scrambling for yards. And sure enough, right. Isaiah Spiller wasn't able to get anything going against a Bama front seven that played really well. Everything A and M does, it feels like it makes a spectacular play, and that's not right. to say that's not to say that Bama is just such a good defense that you can only do this by making a spectacular play uh, against them. But it, it felt like every time that they were moving the ball, you're like, "Whoa, what a, what a play that was! That was yeah, that was really really nice." That's what's supposed to look like against Bama. That's that is you, you have to go to up and make it, it like it has to be a perfect pass, a perfect catch, get one foot in bounds. It, that's what it has to be. Any worries about Bama's lack of discipline? Eleven penalties in this I'm game. So glad you brought this up. I, I know third, that's a third. Is it third straight game with ten plus penalties or third game? Is that right? It's it's some. I'm, it might be a third straight game. And you know, more than anything, what I got out of this, yeah, it's because that that thing on Devonta Smith was was absolute BS. I hope they, that's reviewed. That, that's just, that's so bad. That's just so bad. It, anyway, um, I just the whole Bama gets all the calls thing. <laughs> Eleven penalties. For 91 yards, yes, they. It is. It is. They've been undisciplined. It's been uncharacteristically dis- undisciplined uh, this season and honestly last season too under Saban. But I, can we start to at least move towards the mindset that Bama doesn't get all the calls, please? You tweet that out at least once every Saturday. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> Eleven penalties. Maybe just like if you said eight, I would still be like well, that. Seems like it seems like Fair kind enough. of a lot. Eleven. Bama's got one more big time road test this year. Not that I, I don't I didn't think AM was considered a big time road test. They lost their third game of the year already. But the one more obviously is going to be Auburn, of course. Yeah. Shout out to our guy, Lawrence Butts, who you're saying who you're saying to yourself, who's Lawrence Butts? He was the guy who was the subject of and it might mean too much, wherein he watched yeah. the 2017 opener, Bama, Florida State. From right. the top of Saddam Hussein's house. Yeah, that's right. He's the man. Yeah, so he, he's the man because he, he was, was, in he Texas. was at the game. Yeah, he he actually moved uh, out to Colorado, but he was at the game. Oh, he was okay. texting me pictures and stuff. I know he had he had been texting me for a while, saying like how how excited he was to, yeah. to be able to go to this game. I I told him I, I wish I wish you had gotten to see a closer down to the wire game, but he said it was a really nope. good atmosphere early on, especially as A and M was was getting some offensive mojo. Things obviously changed. In the no, I, half. they they were they were impressive. I tell you what, that that, that stadium emptied out like uh, in the fourth quarter as you would expect because like you know the lead was too big, but it was still it seemed like they were loud, like they were still supporting and 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 you know what? I know a lot of people make fun of A and M, and I I'm one of them just because the whole midnight dudes. yell thing. It's all the dudes and the finger guns and the wear. Some I just can't ring. I can't get behind some dude named Landon wearing overalls and doing finger guns like pew pew. I got I don't get it, but. Like hats, I mean this sincerely. Hats off to A and M for like, there's there might not be a fan base that buys into what like their tradition more than A and M. That's a that's a really interesting point. That's a really yeah. interesting point. Yeah, you, you definitely see that regardless of of how the game is going yeah. for for A and M. How about this? What do you think the top six should be? 
God. It's a really interesting <laughs> topic of discussion right now. And by the time that the people are listening to this, the AP poll is already going to be out. If you're if you're a fan or if you have interest, I have interest in the AP poll just because I think it kind of shapes public perception. I realize, yes, the polls don't mean anything early on. I get all that. Go to the Reddit College Football Twitter account and you can see what every single person's AP poll ballot, all 62 yep. voters, how they vote on a given Saturday. It, it's fascinating. I love breaking down some of those numbers and just kind of seeing some of the trends and the way that people are, are valuing wins, I think is yeah. important at this stage. I think right now, if I had a vote, I'd put LSU at number one. I, I would. They've you said going into the game, if Florida won, you'd have them number one. So the exactly. whole recency bias kind of... that you have is just out of control. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, as, as somebody who lives in the state of Florida, obviously <laughs> I just have all the Florida bias. I think LSU, I, I would have no problem with them at number one. So I would my, my top six would look like this. I'd have LSU at one. I'd have Bama at two. Ohio State at three. Clemson at four, and I don't even feel good about that. Ooh. Oklahoma five after beating Texas. And then I'd have Wisconsin at six. And I... Maybe could actually, I know what people are thinking, oh, you Big Ten homer, why do you have Wisconsin so high? You could probably put him, you're probably no, going to put him that's, higher. No, that's wrong. Wisconsin's defense has four shutouts in six games. Okay, <laughs> Justin, Justin Shutt or Justin Shoot? Shooty, Shooty. Shooty, is that really what it is? Yes, I told you this four times. I thought you were joking. I no. didn't know. Justin Shooty? Shooty. That's a that's an odd last name. But just Dustin's the man. I love Dustin. So Dustin does all of our work on the our Big Ten site Saturday yeah. tradition, and he is a very good follow. If you have any sort of Big Ten interest whatsoever, yeah. follow Dustin. I saw so and I I I didn't say this to him because I knew it would have come off as condescending, but I felt so bad for Dustin because on Saturday night he was tweeting out stuff about Penn State Iowa, which is like it would have been like a, a somewhat big game. But I just felt bad that he had to miss, like, LSU-Florida. Going back and forth, because I, I, I was obviously watching both, and we'll get to that. I got my lock of the week wrong because Iowa had Ugh. to go for two instead of kicking the extra point. Oh, that was brutal. Yeah. But I, going back and forth between Penn State-Iowa and LSU-Florida was just so night and day. Yeah. That I, was, I was convinced that they were playing different sports. Yes, yeah, that's fair. Um, no, but he, he brought the fact, about, uh, the fact about Wisconsin, and he said Wisconsin is... They've, they've had they've had shutouts in four games, but twenty of twenty four quarters. I that was my stat. I threw that out there. Oh, did you? Twenty of twenty four quarters that Wisconsin has played this year, the opponent has not had a point. That's ridiculous. That's pretty good. Wisconsin yeah. is, and that's the thing that I look for in this top six. Have you imposed your will? Have you imposed your will week in week out? Not had some of the you know some of these down to earth type performances yeah. where you really played to your competition level, and that's why I actually it was kind of tough for me to put Clemson ahead of Wisconsin. I don't know why you're in the top six. Wisconsin's imposed its will on on every team so far. It beat three teams from the state of Michigan handedly already this year, including the Fighting Jim yeah. McElwain's. Uh, I thought that what we've seen though so far from LSU. Number one in the country, just because, yes, I understand that they have some issues defensively, but Bama has some issues defensively, too. And LSU, you're cackling right now, which is never a good sign for me, ever. I just don't, like, okay, here's the thing, and this, I, I love you to death, but I feel like you get caught up in, in the whole recency bias sometimes. And that's and that's fair, because, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of it, too, but let's take everything we've seen. Let's take everything we've seen. That LSU win is still the most impressive road win. Well, it was until Carolina beat Georgia. But the most impressive, one of the most impressive wins in the year, they beat a top 10 Texas team at Texas. Yep. Knowing what we know now about Texas, because it's not just what LSU did to them. It's what Oklahoma did to them. And those are two top five teams. 
right? Texas lost two games, though, in which it was actually underdogs going in. It's not like they... Fair enough. You know, they I'm not, I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking okay. about that pass defense and how how it's Charmin soft. It, like, it's, I've never seen I've never seen a group of people, and, and like, I'm not going to get on a rant about Texas, but I've never seen a group of people, with, if it's a team talking blank, that's one thing. But if it's a defense specifically coming out and talking... I'm, I'm going to say it. Quick. But, like, what? I was going to say, can we do a quick sidebar about Texas? Because I've got thoughts. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's like, you know, there's a lot of things, like, that that you can talk trash about. Football, everything's bigger in Texas. And high school football's bigger in Texas. If you're a defensive player, you don't get to stand up at Texas and be like, DBU, and then give up 500 yards to LSU. And then on the heels of that, tell Jalen Hurts he better slide or it's not going to end well for him. Did you see, it was him, CeeDee Lamb, they ran through him like blank through a tin horn. Whatever that means. I hate everything that Texas is about right now yep. in so many ways. Yeah. So many ways. And I understand, you know, we're reporters, we're unbiased, whatever. I hate so much of what Texas projects to the world because yeah. of this. We saw the special on College Game Day, and I tweeted about this. The guy who invented horns up is okay with people doing horns down. Meanwhile, Tom Herman, the same guy who mocks Drew Locke and who mocks basically everybody that he Everyone. wants decides that it's offensive to do horns down and does an entire thing about how it disrespects the university and how they need to penalize it and that they they, they need to promise every single team who does it gets an unsportsmanlike penalty for horns down. That's pathetic. Give me a break. We, we got, got sirens. Going. Here oh, we that's go. That's when we know we're cooking. That's when we know um, we're cooking. No, well, and, like, and, and just real quick, they gave the kicker, the holder on, on kicks was given the finger. Uh, to OU. That was actually, yeah, that was actually kind of funny, I thought. Uh, it is. You know what, Connor? It is kind of funny. <laughs> but but in the like same way that yeah. someone doing horns down is kind of funny. It's not just offensive. Just go with it. God. Texas it's, is uh, just yeah, so it just, sensitive it just, right it just bothers me. Like, there's, there's a lot of stuff. Like, it, there's a lot of stuff that, that I could talk trash about, okay? But, like, like if, if, if you saw me going up and talking, like, fiscal responsibility or, <laughs> or dietary consumption to somebody, that would be, like, hold on, Chris. Like, you can't. That's not your two area of expertise. Like, you can't do that. Texas, sit down. You don't get to talk about Just sit down. That's ridiculous. Just go, I, I go like hang that. out with that, that dumb steer, Bevo, and let him yeah. go. Go sit around and, and talk about A and M poop buckets. Do whatever you got to do. That was you. Did that. you did, that was it. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, so um, just but knowing what we know now about Texas, the LSU thing, it doesn't make it a less impressive win because they went into a hostile environment. This this offense, you know what? It's been consistent. Like, and it's, it's been scary consistent. Yep. However, what what I will say is, from what I saw out of you know out of Duke. Being better than people said they were going to be, oh, people out of South Carolina being a little bit better than people said they would be, and Alabama beating the brakes off of those teams, yep. and then beating the brakes off of A and M. Um, I've got Bama one. I think I think they're finally going to hit stride. I just that defense I think is is, is finally. That's okay. And, I'm fine with that. Okay. Um, then two, I have Ohio State because of what they can do offensively, and, and and they get after the quarterback. Chase Young is a monster. He is I mean, he's, he's, he's incredible. Did you bet on Ohio State this past weekend? They didn't play. I would have. I tried to get you um, again. I couldn't do it. Who did I get? I got. I bet Michigan first quarter line, and I bet the under. I bet the under in Texas, Oklahoma. I bet, I bet that first quarter, first half, and, and total, and it hit everything. Um, anyway, three, I have LSU because um, of their resume. Four, Oklahoma. I had a Clemson. Uh, I, I tell you, uh, Clemson's not my top six. I don't know why that would be. 
Fair enough. Uh, so I, I and I'll, I'll I'll bring up Clemson before I tell you my number six. But five Wisconsin. You could even put them Ooh. higher. They've been incredible this this entire wow, season. Wow, I did not think you would have Wisconsin yeah. higher than I would. I'm they have a Heisman. They have that. a Heisman uh, candidate at running back who might be the best running back in the country. Jonathan Taylor. Yep, he, he is the best running like, back in the country right now. Yeah, that's fair. And he's he's not like what it, I make fun of a Big Ten all the time. I do it from SDS account all the time. He he's a four three five guy. Like he's a legit. Oh, he's, he's, he's a, a legit track athlete. star. Yeah, he's yeah, not like, Ron Dane. He's not no, Ron exactly Dane. exactly. So and that offensive line is big. And uh, you know, I just I, I like Wisconsin. Before I tell you number six, Uh-oh. I'm going to tell you right now. Here's why is it Penn State? Them. No, just, yeah, okay, it could okay. be. I think they're very underrated. Um, I'm going to I'm going to tell you where I'm coming from. This Clemson. I think that UNC. I, I keep calling it a loss, even though. They oh, I know you at number six. I yeah, don't say it. So, so Clemson. I I would have in here because I think I think what what they did at Florida, against Florida State is exactly what I thought they were going to do. Like yeah. I think that that close lo- close win against uh, UNC going into a bye week and finally hearing like, hey, we have some flaws. Like we have some flaws. Yeah, they and were twenty eight point favorites against Florida State. Right, and then you come out and just handle Florida State. Like just which I know Florida State's not great, but like that's kind of what we were finally trying to expect and see out of a Clemson team. Yeah. I think they're going to be dangerous the rest of the year, and they're going to pound people just because like they're going to. This is what they do in the second half of the season. So. I still am not that impressed with what I've seen so far. Not as much as some of these other teams, and I don't think they're as deserving to be in the top six. So they would be outside of my top six. My number six is Oregon. And here's I why. knew it. I knew it. You here's love why. yourself some ducks. You really here's do. why. And uh, it's not because I want to fight with my fiance, but I was talking to my buddy about this. He's a big Oregon fan. He was like, "We're top five team in the country." And I was like, "Yeah, okay, <laughs> you're not, but that's fine." And he's like, "He's like going through stuff," and I'm like, "I was like, no, hold on, let's look at this." So I'm going through stats. Oregon has a top 10 defense. Oregon's given up 25 total points in their last five games. Yep. You know, they played the last... So, and this is where we got, we got some arguments on this on Twitter. Um, they, Oregon is a top 30 offense. They were top 20 before uh, this last game. They're top 30 offense. They finally okay. imposed their will against a Power 5 team. They racked up numbers against, mm-hmm. against Cupcakes. They hadn't had more than 21 Win. points against a Power 5 team. Right. Sure. They finally okay. did that on that Friday That defense night. has given up how many points? It's twelve a game or something? No, not even close. It's way less than that. Um, it? Yes, it's it's uh it's it. I think it's under ten. But I know in the last five, outside the Auburn game, which like, just I just want you guys to be fair and think about this, okay? We live in SEC country. We're an SEC podcast. If an SEC team had this resume with a top ten defense in scoring, rushing, um, I'm sorry, scoring in total, had a top thirty offense in scoring in total, mm-hmm. had a Heisman potential Heisman candidate and a top 10 NFL draft pick at quarterback had a had a top 10 recruiting class last year and had one loss away from home on a last second touchdown to an SEC school you're telling me right now as an unbiased fan that's objective and is looking at everything as as fair that team wouldn't have a case to be in the top 10 or the top five yeah. I, like, if you look at everything they've done, and, so, and, and somebody brought this up and it's like, well, they haven't played anybody. Next week we find out when they play Washington. Washington, yeah. They have a top 10 strength of schedule as well. Just want to throw that out there. So, what? go ahead. I was going to say, here's the one concern, though. You, you, you bring up great points in terms of where they're at right now. Oh, screw you, Connor. Right <laughs> the, one, the one thing that's holding me back from saying, yes, I'm gonna, I think Oregon is, is going to be able to make it to the playoff. We have yet to see. A team that has a nine-game conference schedule yeah. run the table and make the playoff. They lost that non-conference game. A two-loss Pac-12 team ain't getting it. Just not going to so, happen. So what they I, have what to I make thought history. the argument was was top six right now. Exactly. Oh, you, you right. no, no, no. no. So what, I, yeah. yeah. 
What, so, and what, again, what I'm saying is right now, and, and this is what I'm trying to be like, like objective fans. Like, I, I was talking about this back and forth on Twitter with, uh, with one guy, and, and he brought up some like, good points, but he, he said, he's like, we'll find out next week when they play Washington. I was like, well, hold up. Now, Washington's already lost two games. And the two games they lost to are teams that Oregon already beat. And, like, you know, I, I get, like, well, they only won 17-7 to against this team, but these are the same excuses that we would make and have made yep. for, for SEC schools for years. And just, again, you're telling me that right now, I tell you, if you're an Auburn fan, you tell me that Auburn's 5-1, and one, and they have a top-10 defense, top t- all, everything I just said, and then, and then, it's, and then not Bo Nix a quarterback, a, a mm-hmm. top-10 NFL draft pick quarterback, and you lost on the road on a, on a last-second last second touchdown in a game you were up by two touchdowns in? You don't deserve that? Uh, anyway. Fair enough. Going to be interesting to see that matchup next week. Your turn to rant. I've got, yeah, I've got, I've got a rant here. I've got a little rant. I give a, a tip of the cap to Tennessee. What the Vols did at home, showing up in that game, Jeremy Pruitt's defense was ready to go. The guy who was sitting out on the t- Knoxville Toyota, congratulations. You get to yeah, come good for him, man. There. Good for you. Really, really happy for you. Happy for Tennessee fans that they got to celebrate an SEC win. We, we were wondering if the Vols were actually going to get to have that moment this year. Marler, don't you dare yawn at the start of this rant. I'm not yawning. You yawned. You absolutely yawned. We got a, we got a negative review about that. Don't say that. I know. We already read it. That's okay. What we saw from Tennessee, impressive. Joe Moorhead, man, he's my guy. He is my ride or die. That was atrocious. That was a freaking joke, what his team did on Saturday. And it's, it's, it's from the top down. It's putting Tommy Stevens out there again for the fourth time and then saying, you know what, actually, we should probably go with Garrett Schrader. Just start Garrett Schrader. Just start him. Why yeah. are you not starting Yeah. Why can you not get anything going on the ground with Kylan Hill, a guy who's leading the SEC in rushing? Why can you not have anything going? Why does it look like Tennessee is three steps ahead of everything that you're trying to do on offense? Why can you not score points against a defense that just allowed 40 to the unimaginative Georgia offense last week? Why are you such a disaster on that side of the ball where everything looks so difficult, you have quarterbacks thrown into double coverage, seemingly every other play, every time they throw the ball down field. bad. He's not good. He's not good. He's just not. I, I, I had so many moments of that game because I'm flipping back and forth. And I and I Kylan Hill, I understand that he was he was supposed to be kind of banged up. I think he he lost a really close friend too. He had a really close friend die. Um, so I don't know if That's he awful. mentally, physically, he was in the right headspace. What whatever. Whatever whatever all that was. I've never said this out loud before. I'm gonna say this out loud on the first first time on this podcast. And it's weird to say, but I watching this, I understand where you come from, Mississippi State fans. I say this all the time that I think there are certain coaches and people who are just better suited to be coordinators than they are head coaches. Oh, God. And I, I am really, really believing that Joe Moorhead is, is one of them. And I never, I did not think I'd say that. I had people retweeting yesterday oh, the man. fact that I said initially right after he was hired that he was a home run hire. It's not working. It, it's not. And, and I, I, I love Joe. You know this. He's been extremely kind to me. I've loved getting to know the guy, and I, I genuinely believe in him as an offensive mind, but him as a head coach right now is not working. That team was not prepared at all to play a game on the road against Tennessee when it should have had no excuses whatsoever to be able to come into Knoxville and at least score some points, man. At least score some points. You have all the reason to be able to score points in that game, and you just can't find out ways to do it. Your personnel is all messed up. It's a disaster. This team has six and six, five and seven written all over it. Ooh, I'm not even sure if they're going to get six and six. I'm not even sure if they're going to get to six and six because they still have games against Bama, LSU, and Auburn left. And LSU is going to uh, come. They have a game against Ole Miss, brother. 
I mean, and the game I predicted them to lose yeah. before the start of the season. That's, I, that's, Mississippi State looks bad. It's bad. Oh, I, I picked Tennessee to be home, uh, Mississippi State at the start of the season too. Oh, there you go. Victory I forgot about that. So I, I've never said that before about Moorhead because everybody knows I'm the leader of the Joe Moorhead bandwagon, but I am believing more and more and more that he is better suited as a coordinator than a head coach. Uh yeah, I don't. I don't want to pile on because it was like. Here, this is my thing with this: is if you're a coach, and and this is like, I, I forgot who I said this for last week, but man, you you had a bye week, you had that's, a week off. That's the off. most alarming thing. And and like you know maybe I just I just don't get it because I didn't play college football and I maybe there's too much that there's I'm putting too much stock in in like in the bye week. You know Wake Forest is one of who's one of my locks of the week last or last night and they had a. Uh, they had Louisville at home. They lost after coming off a bye week. I think uh, it was the sixth straight loss that that coach has had coming off a bye week. I, I don't get it. I, I just I don't get it, like how that could be a thing. But you get a chance to refocus and, and have the bye week. That's one thing. When you get a chance to refocus and have the bye week and then go to Tennessee, who has been, we brought up the stats, 12th worst rushing defense in the SEC. They've been awful on offense. They, they were like... Two and seventeen, the last nineteen games against the SEC. They're starting a true freshman quarterback, and you bring out Awful. Tommy Stevens. It was, How the it hell was is Keaton Thompson the third best quarterback on this team? I don't know. Why am I, I yelling at Mississippi State? I'm over it. It's a disaster. Let's let's move on because there are people that probably don't give a you know what no. about Mississippi State. But Ooh, I just me. needed to get that off my chest. It needed to be said because I know people are saying, "Oh, are you going to defend Joe Moorhead again?" No. I'm not. I'm not. I, I just can't. I like him as a person. I, I think he has he has better days ahead. Maybe those better days are as a coordinator. One thing that I liked about each game. Let's get positive. Let's get positive talking about a I guy that you've to. been you've been so high on him throughout this entire this entire offseason and into the season. Lynn freaking Bowden. Ya boy. Love it. Kentucky, he is he is the 2019 version of, of Randall Cobb. Plays quarterback for Kentucky and wins that game against Arkansas. Yeah, I know. It's Arkansas. Whatever. But Lynn Bowden, the high school quarterback, gets into that game and says, you know what? I'm going to do whatever I can to put Kentucky on my back, get us our first SEC win. Straight up. 196 rushing yards, two touchdowns, 78 passing yards, and a touchdown. Kentucky had 330 rushing yards, just basically saying to Arkansas, hey, we're gonna run it, and you're not gonna line up and run it down your throat, dude. Yep. That's. I mean, I I got so fired up saying this. This is a team. This is a team that was, man. They're down thirteen nothing in the first half. Looking to Arkansas at home. They score with a minute left. Thank God. And they go in the third quarter. They take the lead. Still somehow relinquish the lead. Arkansas comes back. I just Lynn Bowden is it. He's just he's everything that I think is great about college football. And he's everything, and it, it will will segue into another guy's. I think a lot the same way with Keyshawn Vaughn, or yeah, Keyshawn Vaughn. Mm-hmm. And it's just you know this is a team that like everyone has hated, and I think that so many people have have kind of given the the reins and of the leadership in this team to Cash Daniel just because of the uh, you know honestly because the theatrics a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah it's, and, it's and he's fair. and he's been a great like I think he I think he gets it. He cares like he loves Kentucky. Okay, but Lynn Bowden. A guy that has, is like he can only impact the game in so many ways at receiver, and and he's got the worst quarterback in the, in all of FBS quarterback PPF. Him being able to take over and Mark Stoops being like, you know what, yeah, you know what, Lynn, 
Get back here, line your ass up at quarterback, and we are going to go. This is this is the offense now because we're going to rally around a guy that cares, and we're going to rally around our main offensive threat. It was awesome. And I shouldn't I shouldn't just say that it was only running. He had that nice throw in the corner. Of the yeah, end zone, that touchdown pass. We're like, dang, where did that come from? But, yeah. I mean, I, I was I was so so impressed. It was one of my favorite individual performances of any college football game that I've seen this yeah. year. I I just was so blown away by the fact that this dude's out there returning punts and he's starting at quarterback. Like, this is a, it was such a throwback type effort from him yeah. to do that. And I understand Arkansas has got a million issues and Nick Starkle looked terrible and Ben Hicks had to come in in this game, but still. What he did to be able to will that team, my brother, my brother and his fiance were actually at this game because they live in Lexington now, and said, "This isn't normal, right? This, right. this isn't what they've been doing." He hasn't really paid attention as much to Kentucky football. I said, "No, no, no, no. This is this is a different thing." And you know what? For for Kentucky, even if Sawyer Smith is healthy, I I think you just got to kind of ride this out. This yeah. is, this is kind of fun, and this gives you this gives you a different kind of life. And this is something that when you're a one and three team. And you're not playing for a division title, and, and Kentucky's schedule gets more favorable, and they could go to a bowl game down the stretch. But why not just roll with this? Just roll yeah. with it. You might lose to some better teams with this strategy because you are relatively one-dimensional. But at the same time, this is fun. This is something that people, that that teammates, this is something that fans can Rally. really get behind, and it can Rally. totally change the tone of how we talk about the season. How fitting Agreed. on a day in which Kentucky honors the late great Jared, Loren- Jared Lorenzen, the hefty lefty that we see an unconventional quarterback performance like this. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, you know what, I do want to say one thing, too, um, that is uh, one of the worst takes I've ever heard, ever. Just oh ever, ever, ever. But it needs to be shared. I'll put it on blast. Of all the times? Bay, Bay said, of all Uh-oh. the times, <laughs> all the times, Bay said she hated Notre Dame's helmets last night. and I Were they the typical gold? Yes, Oh, okay. That's that's a rough and, take. And so then she, we turned over to Kentucky, and she was like, "See, just I love these helmets. Just do something like that." And I was like, you're, oh. "Hold on." To be fair, so so if you're a Kentucky fan, just know my fiance, she she loves your outfits. That's 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 a very unique take. I'll, she, I'll say she that. also she had uh, so we we've actually decided, and and I don't care if you agree with this or not, because we're going to start doing it. We're going to do like a top three take. Or top, like uh-huh. one take from each weekend, because because she loves football, and I'm and I'm gonna share it on the podcast, like just Allie takes. Maybe I'll share it in the Facebook group. I don't care, but it's too good not to share because some of the stuff she says, and because because yesterday at one point she's like cuddling with Queso, and in the same breath of something like look at this little nugget being so cute, she like lets out this like expletive rant of like, are you kidding me? It's a, a it's a delay break. a delay a game penalty like because two we got to delay a game, and she's like, what are we doing? And I was like, "Oh wow!" <laughs> like I just let out your inner saving. Yeah, it was it was awesome. And then she had something else. Was, oh, then like when that Bama blocked the punt, she goes, "Oh look, he looks back to make sure the punter was okay." That was so nice. And it was like he's looking back for flags, babe. But it's fine. Yeah, so, yeah, we're gonna institute was. that as a. Yeah. We'll add that. <laughs> I like it. The one thing I liked from the Ole Miss Mizzou game, which was pretty similar to how we thought it was gonna go. Yeah. I loved what we saw from Mizzou's offensive line. We've talked about it a lot uh, since Kelly Bryant transferred to Mizzou, how much he had control of that locker room. It seemed like everybody was really rallying behind him. And that offensive line performance to protect him, he only got sacked once. The running game was so dominant. Barry Odom said after the game that he, he challenged them to step up, and they took ownership of that game. And against an Ole Miss defense that has improved, and we've given credit to Mike McIntyre's unit is much better than what we've seen the last couple of years, that offensive line got after it, and they were absolutely the difference 
in that game. Mizzou gets another win by double digits and is and wins a game in which you had questions about Kelly Bryant with coming off the knee injury. Are they going to be able to protect him and kind of keep him upright? And they absolutely did that. That was a really, right. really strong performance from that group. Yeah, it was it was impressive. I, like that game, that game did look exactly like we thought it was. They kind of came out slow at first, which is surprising. Um, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. John Rice Plumley. Yeah, yeah. You got to stick with him. You yeah, agreed. Him. I know Matt Crowell came in. John Rice Plumley is the guy. Yeah. He, he is the guy. As long as he is healthy, he is definitely the guy. Um, and then Mizzou, I, we're, people are going to know this by the time we hear this. We talked about this with Adam the other day. Mizzou's going to be in the top 25 probably, right? I would hope think? so. Does Barry Odom coach one game, I think, is in the top God. 25? Just people God, don't forget. Yikes. People don't forget about, in the regular season. about the Wyoming game. Yeah, they don't. All right, let's move past this one quickly. UNLV and Vandy. Vandy was a 14-and-a-half-point favorite and lost to UNLV, a 1-14. I hate you so much By 24 points. You you know why? Hold on, real quick. You know why I hate you and Michael Wayne Bratton for this? It's because because our... our, (laughs) He just said that. Because our (laughs) picks were so similar... I know. ...that I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to put the staff picks up, but I can't can't have them be the exact same as everyone else's. this was an easy place to go in a different So I was like, I'll go Vandy, and then they get get beat by UNLV. Yikes. Not beat, just destroyed. Yeah. Absolutely destroyed. The one thing that I did like... Was Keyshawn Vaughn looking like Keyshawn Vaughn? Not caring about the scoreboard, not quitting on this season. He had 193 yards from scrimmage, and Vandy still lost by 24. The under definitely on the Jared Pinkney catches hit, by the way. Yeah. Yikes. He has not mailed it in. He keeps running running hard and playing like a guy who understands there are NFL eyes on him. How in the world, though, can Derek Mason's team be this bad? How can they be this bad? Oh, man. I don't uh, know. Maybe, this, he, maybe like... I said earlier in the year how dumb it is that, that he should be fired because people were like talking about how. No, that's know. that's legit now with a new boss. That is more legit than ever. Uh, it just well, it's not. It has nothing to do with the boss. It's just like like you know because as I said before, I was like, what is your ceiling? What is your ceiling at Vandy? But like, the ceiling can't be lower than this. There's nothing it's about awful. this season losing 24 to a unit losing by 24 to a UNLV team that had lost four straight and not broken 17 points. And oh by the way, they had allowed 30 plus in all of those games during that uh. losing streak. It was horrible, horrible, horrible. Anyways, let's move on to some week eight lines. Yeah. But first, before we do that, Marler, how did both of your my bookie accounts do? <laughs> <laughs> Things went great. Um, I, so my SDS staff picks didn't do great. I'm glad. So like I was, I did so much research this week, and I was excited because I was like, you know what? Like I we because we brought back the Saturday morning Facebook Live. Um, we did a couple Drop things that, that I was like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go through gambling with you guys. Like, let me let me just show you what's up. And um, there were some good bets I was made, and of course I make all my bets on my bookie. And and you know, we talk about how great comfortable is. It's even better when you're we're betting on it. I don't care how that sounds because it just flat out is more exciting when you have money on the line. Um, and if you're gonna bet, make sure you are betting with my bookie because who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with, and that is just could not be more the case. You know what happened yesterday? You know, you know how I made all of my money yesterday? Because I'll, I'll be honest with you, Connor. That Georgia game had me so effed up. I don't care how that sounds. It had me so messed up from everything that was going on. I forgot to put in my 330 bets. Whoa. I was so, Listen, I had two things I wanted to do. And this is, I'm just, Uncle Chris is opening up to you right now, okay? I had two things I wanted to do. I wanted to bet on the 330 games and the night games because I had I had some fire takes coming in hot for those, those, those midday games. And I want to go down and get a 12-pack of beer to enjoy, not like all today, but just like for enjoy the rest of the weekend, okay? 
<sighs> that what damn kind of Georgia game. I got Bud Light, of course. Um, oh, yeah. So that entire second half, or that entire game against Georgia, goes entirely too long. And I'm like dropping hints to Allie. I'm like, hey, like it'd be great if we had some if um, somebody ran down to the store. It'd be great if somebody. And she was like, that's a bold move, man. It was not a that good move. A it was not a good move. move. I really never regret doing well. it. No. Um, but I was, it was like, we're sitting there watching it, and then finally the Bama game starts. I was like, well, now what am I supposed to do? And I had realized I had missed the time to put in all my 330 bets. But thank God with, with my bookie, you can still live bet games. So by the time I true. went to live bet, but so that, that FAU game, which I said was the lock of the week, minus 9.5, wasn't looking good early. They were down 6-2. to two. Yeah, not in the second inning. In, in the second quarter, <laughs> it, was, it made no sense. They were down six to two, and I was like, oh, I was like, oh no. And I forgot to put in this bet. I need to go see if I can, if I can place a bet now. Luckily, with my bookie, I was able to live bet them at seven and a half points, not nine and a half, Ooh. seven and a half. And then it went down to four and a half. Live bet them again. Then, because of my bookie, I can bet in the second half line of games. They have multiple lines. Do you think Lane live bet his team? I, I hope he did because they won by 15. They covered all the spreads all the time. He knew that he knew the live the yeah. live spread for sure. It was, but it was really cool. It's 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 uh. There's just so many cool things that you could do on my bookie that just make it just makes gambling fun. To where it's not like I'm putting fifty dollars on this and this only, and this team has to win by this amount. You can put you know a, a certain amount on on a different line. You can do it on the second half line. You can do your own prop bets. You can bet on anything. You can bet on Major League Baseball. You can bet on on the playoffs. You can bet on WNBA like in the, before that was over. NBA, all the above. You know what you can bet on? You know what's not okay to talk about? Politics. You know what's okay to gamble on? Politics. You can gamble on politics on my bookie. So go to mybookie.ag today. Set up an account or two uh, with Younger Chris. It's great. Let's see if we can get some lines. Let's do it. Kentucky. Georgia. Last year, this game was way, way different in terms of implications. Georgia was playing in a division title game on the road in Lexington. This game, obviously, we're, we're wondering what Georgia is going to be coming off of this stunning loss to South Carolina. Kentucky, we don't necessarily know if Sawyer Smith is going to come back and be the quarterback or if Lynn Bowden is still going to be the guy. I still, though, I, I you're going to hate this line. I'm going to guess this <laughs> Georgia, Georgia minus 25. That's so messed up. You hate 25. So you messed up it. that you would do this. I, I did that on purpose. I tell you what, I will say, as much as I love gambling, I will default to you and say that you are the one that's usually right about this stuff. Well, until I saw your next line. But um, oh, yeah. My next I'll, one's say, gonna be way off. I'll say 21 and a half. Okay, 21 and a half. Florida, South Carolina. I, what I was, are you doing I was here? Too low. Okay, so so here's my thinking. I, my guess is Florida minus five and a half. <laughs> you laugh, but what we just saw from South Carolina in that defense, in that defense, keep yeah. that in mind. If South Carolina, I understand that repeating the performance that they just had against Georgia, it's going to be really, really difficult to do, especially when everybody's telling them how great they are. But Florida on the road, playing in what's going to be a great atmosphere, we know that. That's red. That's red's not going to be fourteen or something like that, is it? I don't know why it wouldn't be. I mean, South Carolina's been an underdog by how many points to Bama? How many points to Georgia? How Florida's quickly a- does Vegas change change its thinking about South Carolina, though? That's what I'm that's saying. Too, from, I mean, from what it's they not saw, be five and a half. It's not going to be a one. It's not going to be a one score game against a top ten team. It's just not. I'll, I'll say. I'll say nine and a half. And especially, well, I mean, there's also the way that the, that game played out last year in the swamp, where Florida had to have that furious comeback late. Yeah. It was looking like South Carolina was gonna was gonna roll, and then that didn't happen. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm probably off on that, and I'm probably getting too caught if up Olinsky's in the moment hurt, about South Carolina. 
That's another thing. That's yeah. another thing too. That's probably worth. You don't think, account. Connor? I don't think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. I'll already admit that I'm off on this one. How about this? Auburn and Arkansas, the Gus game, the new. I Gus like game. this. Auburn on the road, minus seventeen and a half. Man, oh man. Come on, new Gus with an off week. God, <laughs> he's gonna come out with like eight new sleeve tattoos, or not, not, it just like just I mean a dragon coming out of like a tiger. Right on his forearm, Ooh. yeah. He's he's gonna start saying stuff like "ah," like he's for whatever reason. Just like when they score, instead of "boom," it's gonna be "ah," like a like a hard ass pterodactyl. Um, I can't wait. I think seventeen and a half is spot on. New Gus, man. New New Gus shows up to to Arkansas, the place where he almost went, and he wears his sweater vest, no sleeves underneath. No, oh my no god, no sleeves. I see. I, I disagree. I think he's gonna have the turtleneck under the sweater vest and in the glasses, and then come out like it's some. Just awkward Magic Mike slash Hulk Hogan show where he rips it off and he's like, "You GD right, I'm here. Let's go kick in the door." Like, you know there's no door, about? Coach. What are you talking about? I just realized this by by all the new guests talk that we've had. I think we've essentially built him into Ricky Wild Thing Vaughn for yeah. League. <laughs> That's basically that. Um, That's fair. LS, LSU and Mississippi State. Oh, oh my gosh, I'm going back on this so much. In the preseason, I know I said Mississippi State was going to pull off the upset. I am not saying that at all. I think LSU, uh, spoiler alert, LSU is winning this game. LSU on the road in Stark Vegas. Cowbells will be popping. Minus eighteen and a half. Yeah, um, I think it's. I think that's probably good. It might even go up to 20 and a half on this. It might. It awful. might. Especially seeing the line, the, the early line that we saw for the Florida game, where Vegas is on board with the LSU offense. Yeah. They are. And, and in terms of, what a great weekend for Vegas, by the way. And all They had such an accurate weekend in terms yeah, of did. a lot of those spreads that they set, where LSU still wins, still covers in that game. Well, a lot, a spread that we questioned. hotels in the desert from nothing. This is true. This is true. Uh, Mizzou and Vandy. Oh, God. <sighs> I might have been too low on this. I have Mizzou minus sixteen in Nash Vegas. So I think that's I think that's pretty spot on because we've seen like Mizzou, the line for Mizzou has been higher in a lot of games than we thought. It has been, yeah. Um, I, I just you know, this is another one I might do twenty on because it, it's like, Vandy Vandy's defense is so bad. It's a tr- it's I mean, a UNLV it's was the worst was, Power Five defense. It is without a doubt. It might be the worst FBS defense. Yeah, they're, they're, they're ranked in the bottom one twenty-five in most. I think in most yeah. categories. Ugh. I would. I would not want to have to watch this game. I just well, for Mizzou, it'll be fun. But Hold yeah, on, I don't know how in the world. I, I I'm I'm done betting on or picking Vandy. I I just can't. No matter Vanderbilt's what, Vanderbilt's ranked one hundred twenty-fourth in total defense. They they actually decrease the amount of total yards uh, they give up per game by twenty yards or thirty yards per game down to four eighty-two. Has Vandy covered yet this year? That's an interesting question. Did uh, they cover in that game against LSU? I'm not uh, sure, no, they, they obviously didn't. they put up points. They didn't. No, they I don't didn't think cover they've against covered. Georgia. They didn't cover against the. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Because uh, they, they didn't, didn't cover against the NIU. Who they play? Hold on. They um they Lost didn't cover by eighteen. They, against yeah, Purdue. they have not covered a spread. Wow. Not. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeesh. A and M, Ole Miss. This game played in Oxford. As much as I've been frustrated this with AM and the lack of progress, I, this this will be this will be a very very small small spread. I have A and M as a three and a half point favorite on the road. Um, ye, no, no, I take Ole Miss. Uh, you think Ole Miss is going to be favorite at home or pick them? Yeah, 
Ole Miss looks like a better football team than they am right now. Uh, they, they do. They do. I maybe maybe some of the the preseason preseason storylines with AM still gets played up with this By the way, line. how about yesterday? This is my favorite thing. And this is the most Jimbo thing ever. And the more the more I see Jimbo and, and, and what's going on at AM now, the more I believe my buddy Tyler Huck is right about everything he's ever said about Jimbo. Because mm. they, they talk about they never had a chance going into this game. Earmuffs and, AM fans, this isn't gonna be pretty. And he said he said, I got a plan, we got a plan. We're we go up there, we gotta execute the plan. And I was like, No, you don't have a plan. You don't have a shut and, up. <laughs> it's like SEC Network kind of made fun of that too. Jimbo good. in his press conferences, in his press conference was asked the key to beating Alabama, and he listed off about twelve different things, yeah. which would have applied to winning any football game. That's uh, every time. Penalties? That's like every time I used to say, "Yeah, diet starts tomorrow." Like, no, you don't. You don't have a plan. Yeah. Shut up. Tennessee has to go to Bama. The victory cigars are going to come out. We know it. We know it. I, watching Butch with the cigar. I get a kick out of that. I, I, I do. I do. It's the most earned cigar ever. No, it's not. Bama, 32-point favorite at home. What do you think about that? Oh, man, I love beating Tennessee. Um, Marler, focus. Focus. I, Talk I about am. spreads. Here. I'll say 27-and-a-half because Moore's been better than people give him credit for. Mowers, we don't know if he's going to be healthy necessarily, do we? It doesn't we? matter. I, don't, I mean, I don't know. Like, Tennessee's able to put up points, I think, a little bit now. I, 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 will, I will say... 30, 32 seems too high for a, a game of that kind of rivalry. Does it? Yeah. You have 2015 in, your, in the back of your mind. A little no, bit, I, no, I don't yeah. at all. It's not going to be like that. Okay. It's, I mean, it's going to be fun. Trust me. I, all, I've, been, I've just been – now we're getting into the season where there's rivalries, and you can start singing Dixieland Delight with that, and Tennessee too, and you can bring up that video of that black kid talking about how he hates Tennessee and the pumpkins and the dogs. and Man, now we're in the fun stuff. How about the fact that we finally, finally, first weekend, I believe, of the year that we have all SEC teams playing conference it's games. It's about damn time. About time. Week eight. That's all it took us. That's right. Okay. We're going to do a little bit something different here. For everybody who's not a fan, and I understand oh. there's a couple people. For, for, there's a couple people. You don't necessarily, you don't have to, to continue to voice your displeasure, but I know oh. that there are a lot of people who enjoy, enjoy hearing from our best friend, our best friend from the bayou. Coach Do we have Coach Oh, God. Come in, Coach. He's, he did not he's had a, He had himself a night last night, I'll say that. Coach, listen, welcome in. I wanted to say one thing real quick. Uh, you know that I have a very white face, and, and I hope that all of you listeners out there can also know, because I know we got one review that I, I have to touch on as um, somebody that does this podcast and also does comedy in the year of 2019. Doing a Sick voice back. impression of Coach Edward Orgeron, if you are so delusional and sensitive and out of touch that you could somehow in your small pea-sized brain trans- translate that into being anything remotely close to blackface, I would urge you to never, ever, ever listen to this podcast again or come to a comedy show or venture out into the world because sensitivity is out of control for you. Just well, going to throw that out there. But before you stop listening, tell everybody that you know to please listen, rate, review, subscribe. Or All leave or leave a two-star Five review, which is the worst worst number of stars you can leave. It made no sense. It made no sense. I'm talking about one specific guy. Sorry that, that everything hurt your feelings. Regardless, Coach Show, we're glad you're here. I do on the day. Not as good as you, once great. again. I mean, great. You're right. Not a, not a good impression. It's not a very good impression. Coach, I'm trying my best. Regardless, listen, we're here for Ed Talks, okay? Um, we have a question that was sent in from a guy named Landon on fourth and wrong or i'm sorry on the facebook group 
Like Atlanta. Atlanta, we do like a plane. We named Atlanta. Not named Atlanta. Atlanta <laughs> wants to know, um, what's the best way to effectively brush your teeth? All right, we'll talk about it. Come, come. You brush your teeth. Twice every day, floss every night. You know it. You floss every night. Every night. Why are you lying? Your dinner? You know you don't floss every night. No, You're I crazy. do. Come on now. Anyway. I, I get annoyed when I can't. Okay, this ain't about you. Ed talk. Ed can't talk. Let me tell you something My right bad. now. Every night before I go to sleep. Now, I don't use toothpaste. I think that's for, for, for squares. Okay, you use toothpaste? Who doesn't use toothpaste? I don't use toothpaste. I use elbow grease. So, listen, you, just, you grab your toothbrush, okay? And the good thing about toothbrush, you only need one toothbrush for pretty much your whole life. You use the whole thing because the more it gets gritty, the more it gets stuff off your teeth. Okay, it's we're worn down. And you, so, every night, me and Mike, me and Mike Tiger, I read him a little bedtime story. And we sit there. I brush his teeth with my toothbrush. I get big, big old teeth. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of elbow grease. A lot of elbow grease, okay? He get a lot of, lot of boudin, a lot of, lot of living Creole gumbo, all kinds of stuff in the mouth. Then once I done brushing his teeth, I brush my teeth, okay? And so by the time we got all, all the tiger tooth, we get the Ed tooth. And I go kiss my wife tonight. Coach, Coach by the way. That is not how that works. That's not. I, I saw your wife doing the Gator Chomp, Kojo. What? She was. Kelly was doing the Gator Chomp. Dude, I was, how I was much very fun. surprised. How much fun did you have last night, Kojo? I don't have. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what. So I will say this. Thank you, Coach. This was very nice for you for joining us. Allie, we'll see you on the way out and talk about your helmets. Um, I will say this. That, that, like, I've said this so many times. And this is one reason it pisses me off when, when somebody gets, like, offended. I, guys, it's. We know the Coach O thing isn't, like, spot on. It's nowhere near my Louis Armstrong. It's, it's nowhere near. Yeah, it's, it's supposed to be fun. But I tell you what. Side note from that. It's, like, I've said this so many times before. It's so fun watching him coach. Because you can tell. It's like, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but the picture you took of me in the, in the what do you call it, at, at uh, Mercedes-Benz, in, the, mm-hmm. in front of the computer, whatever. Kitty. Yeah, I was, like, like, it just means so much that I'm able to do this, and I, I get so excited, and I, I just love doing it. And it's like that times 10 for Coach O, man. You can just tell, he, this just is, he's just living his dream, man. I got chills right now. Like, watching him do the Tom Rowley interview, and, and aside from what he said about, like, this is where going to die, but the smile on his face going yep. into battle, God, that was so cool. He probably just had 12 Red Bulls right before that, too. Damn, he was teeth. He was buzzing. <laughs> he was feeling good. Was it awesome. means a lot to Coach O. It might mean too much to this Kentucky fan. Our best friend, Tom Hart, tweeted this out from Big Blue Madness. Tom Hart had himself a weekend. Man, he did. He loves getting to do that. He loves getting to do Big Blue Madness and then calling a Kentucky game yeah. after. This Kentucky Hoops fan that Tom took a picture of has a bunch of former Kentucky basketball players. Rex Chapman, shout out to his Twitter account, which is just all sorts of bizarre and wild. He, This person has all of these players, these former Kentucky players, their autographs tattooed on his legs. Now, I'm just going to throw this out there. I think autographs itself are overrated. I think they are past their prime. I think in this day and age of being able to take selfie, take a selfie with an athlete, I think is way, way, way better than getting an autograph from somebody. But that's or just Justin Timberlake. My, my thought. I don't know where that came from, but that's okay. Because that's the kid that took him at the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Take, oh, taking the selfie. I thought you were talking about autographs still. Okay. Autographs as tattoos make even less sense. Yeah. Less sense. This guy only had tattoos of all of these autographs, and it looked like he basically gave his body part to 
all these former Kentucky basketball players and said, will you sign my leg? Will you sign my leg? No, that's just there forever. I, what, what, happens, what happens if one of these guys gets in some, some severe trouble, right. something like that, turns out to, to get in some big trouble with the law? You got that guy tattooed on your leg. Yeah, imagine you having an Aaron Hernandez tattoo. That's extreme. Oh. That's an extreme thing. But like, there's people that own. Like, that's why jerseys are weird. It's like, oh, you don't own an Aaron Hernandez jersey. Like, like this guy gets it. <laughs> jerseys, jerseys, you can take off and, and yeah, remove at any fair. time you want. That example. This tattoo, though, I I, I'm, I was not surprised to see this from. And I realize this is usually for SEC football. Get, but Kentucky, Kentucky basketball is like SEC football. Let's call it what it is. Yeah, I mean, I I have a terrible tattoo. It says Prodigal Son on the inside of part of my left arm. It, it is like. It's just there. It is just there forever. And the story itself behind it was like, okay, that makes sense. But you know what? Not to get tattooed on your body, dumbass. I don't know why I did that. Like, it just, yeah. people, people that have, like, you know what? Screw it. I'm getting Super Bowl champs 2020 tattooed on my body. It's like, no, don't do that. No. That's terrible. There's one. There is one acceptable tattoo, and it is it is Snell Yeah right across your chest. If you There's have anything one acceptable other than that, tattoo, and it's a giant cross with the Ryan Cabrera lyrics right on your arm. <laughs> How close did you get to that? How close? Uh, moving on. <laughs> Different times, simpler times. Make sure if you have not yet join our Facebook group. We're having a lot of fun with that. Thank you yeah. to everybody who is helping facilitate that. Oh, we, yeah. we really do appreciate it. So I do want to give a shout out specifically to four people that have been just absolutely awesome and helpful this week. And Jay Woody, Jenny Bolton, uh, Bobby Burchins, and Jay, uh, Joe Morrison. And I, I do want to give one shout out specifically to Jenny Bolton. She's one of our listeners, Jenny Bolton. Um, she's got like a couple of uh, she's she's had a rough week and and some health health issues I think that came up and um, she's. She's one of these people that is constantly, no matter what she's, that's going on, she's always got a smile on her face. She's always finding like like the the, the fun in life and, and and laughing, and it means so much for me. I'm gonna tear up just to be able to like share the season with people like that. And, and so I'm just you know like thoughts and prayers up to, to her and, and everything that's going on. Well said, well said. Hoping for the best for you. Hoping for the best for for everybody who has listened. If you have not, please, please, please rate, subscribe, review. We love those five star reviews. We're going to read a bunch of them. Uh, hopefully Wednesday challenge thrown out to everybody. Make sure that you are watching Marler on Facebook Live Monday, Monday nights and Saturday morning. Eight thirty. We doing Monday night. Eight thirty. Yeah. Yeah. We wait to eight. I don't know. We do eight thirty. It's been fun. If you are not, follow us on Instagram. Get all of that great content on social media. On Twitter, we are at the SDS Pod, at Fern Funquist, at CJ O'Gara. Marler, Coach O already out of the building. He Still there? He read the reviews. He's going to find out where he lives. Oh. <laughs> thoughts, <laughs> thoughts and prayers. Okay, it's unbelievable. We're going to have, we're gonna have a very... We have plans to have a very, very fun guest on the pod this week, a guy that we have not had on in a while that we've been meaning to circle back to. Look forward to that. Hope everything goes as planned with that. But we will talk to you Wednesday or Thursday, whichever you listen to. Yeah, we'll see you then. It might be too much. <laughs>